Welcome to the adventures of Yellow Peril and Magical Negro. Okay, this time I've successfully used the record button. Our first hurdle is already over. <laughs> it's already been taken care of. It's smooth sailing from here. Um, <laughs> I mean, so I guess we're doing catch up. Yeah. So, so you've been watching Parasite. I have been watching Parasite. Um, I love that shit. It is dark. It is. I mean, it is body horror meets dark high school comedy, which I and re- body snatchers and body snatchers. Yeah, which I really freaking appreciate. Um, yeah, I'm down with it. I thought it would. I think I've paused because we've come upon a subplot that I don't particularly love. But I'm going to go back to it, because it, it, and I'm going to read the manga. I'm very excited that the manga is already complete, Yeah, and I can just go back and read it wholesale. And I have the feeling that they're actually going to finish out the whole manga story arc with just the anime. So I think, I think they'll probably do another six episodes or so, okay. and it'll be done. Nice. Which will be, yeah. And then I'm going to watch the live action. Yeah, then, like, then we can watch live action. Right? That I was like, be, that has to happen. Oh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so what geekery have you been into? Um, shall we just go into this is my shit? Because I've gotten into some shit. <laughs> uh, I do want to give a warning <laughs> to the audience. I, you already know this. I bruised my rib or tore rib cartilage or something teaching two of my coworkers to twerk. Oh. And so, yes, did you not know this? I did not know that was also involved in it. No, I got drunk and taught them how to twerk, and then there was damage. So the lesson learned here is when you try to teach white people to twerk, God will punish you. So just so you know. Yeah, okay. I was like, that's just a warning for everyone. Um, And also, I told you this already. The Martian by Andy Weir is not shit. It was semi-interesting for a while, but it is some frat boy bullshit humor. I mean, maybe I'm being a little harsh. It was interesting. The science is right. There were definitely moments I liked. There is diversity in terms of the characters. Like, there's a lot of good points. But damn. I just, at the point where I didn't care where he lived or died, I was just yeah. like, mm, bye, boy, bye. Yeah. So, yes, that's the that's the mini thing I want to go into. <laughs> I have started watching this new anime series, and I am deeply in love with it. It's called Death Parade. Uh-oh. And uh, I started watching this just, like, yesterday, and I, it, was, it was only four episodes out, and okay. I'm, I'm in it already. I feel like we should point out we've now moved on to This Is My Shit. Yes, because this <laughs> is my shit. <laughs> and I can see the grin lighting up your Yellow Peril's face right now, <laughs> so I know he's excited, and it's going to be fucked up. So, <laughs> go ahead. Of course. <laughs> um, so, Death Parade, um, the anime, basically, uh, it's it's posits that when two people die at the same time, uh their souls basically get taken to this place, this this swanky bar, Ooh. where they are forced to play a game to decide if they're going to heaven or hell. And when I say a game, that's like darts, bowling, no. like video games, and anything really. It's okay. pretty much like, like, like and, and you know, it's randomly determined. Mm-hmm. But it manages to do um, things, because there's a ton of like death-related and, and soul-related stuff anime right now, but it manages to avoid a lot of the things I dislike when they do that. It doesn't turn into a competition. Okay. Although I do love competition, you know, manga, this is not it. It, um, also deals with the problematicness of this as a, as a cosmology. Mm-hmm. Um, like, sort of like, well, what happens if someone judges wrong? Okay. Yeah. And is, you know, and what's interesting is it sort of disconnects the idea of what they're doing here as 
being the thing that determines whether they go up or down. All right, that sounds interesting. And the people who work at the bar, and I'm not sure if they are people or what their deal is, but that seems to be sort of the mystery we, un, you know, that gets resolved over multiple episodes. Well, every episode is two pair of people showing up and the shit they deal with. And it's not always people being nasty to each other. So it's not a continuous story arc? It's like... Well, um, there's a continuous story arc of the people who work at the bar. Oh, Whatever okay. these entities are that work at the bar and, and run the games and make this judgment, okay. it is not a continuous story. Like, two characters will show up every episode, oh. and you'll see what plays out for them. And um, it really becomes sort of a character exploration of, like, well, why are you this way? What do you do under pressure? What kind of person are you? Ooh. So, I'm really intrigued, and it's not based off of a manga. Oh, okay. Uh, which is also interesting, because usually when you have an anime with depth, if it's not, like, a movie or, like, someone who's already really established, it's, like, it's mostly comes out of a manga, where they've picked a manga that has a good story, but this is a, uh, I guess it was based off of a, a guy did an amateur anime movie, mm, and okay. he won awards, and they basically said, look, we're going to turn that into a TV series. All so, right, then. Yeah, it's... Only four episodes in, but it's pretty rare for me to get hyped on a, on an anime four episodes in, because usually I'm like, well, let's wait six episodes and see if it can maintain. Like, I'm usually so jaded, but I'm like, they've hit enough good stuff that I'm like, okay, I'll go with this. All right. Yeah. Um, how about you? Um, what is your shit? Well, what is my shit? Well, I'm going to talk about this book, because I already talked to you about it, but now I feel like that is my shit right now. Okay. I'm reading an advanced copy of A Crown for A Crown for Cold Silver, which is by Alex Marshall, and it's coming out in April. Mm-hmm. I'm only like six chapters in, and I'm a little nervous because, like I told you earlier, the Immaculates seem like they could be on some Oriental Orientalist stereotype bullshit. Mm-hmm. But also, the Immaculates seem to be the only people who aren't assholes. So I'm like, okay, you walk in a tightrope here. They're, they're people. They aren't assholes. Like. I'm assuming that the Empire is all white. They're all assholes. Like, I'm already done with them. But the main storyline, the, the protagonist is a 50-year-old woman who basically people come and kill her husband and her whole town. She's the mayor of a town. She gets away. She is cold as fuck. I've since learned she has a devil bound to her that bounds along as her dog. Um, okay. And you realize that something's amiss as, like, they're getting ready to kill her, like, tell her that they've slaughtered her husband and stuff, and she, all her oaths are by the six devils I bound. And I'm like, okay, y'all should be worried right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm really into it because I'm a big epic fantasy fan, but I'm not a big fan of the sort of like dark men jacking off onto the page epic fantasy that, <laughs> that has dark. become the grim dark. Or the 20,000 years of, of elven song history. Ugh. And the thing is, I can get with Grimdark. People are fuckers. I know this. Shit goes down. But it just seems to me that in a lot of Grimdark, the way they show that is, like, by raping all the female characters, or by, like, slaughtering women, or women don't have a voice. And I'm well, just like, well, why? Is that what happens with their Grimdark is they're, like, people are fuckers, but we can also say people are fuckers, but they have motivations. Exactly. And they also have some sense. You know, some people are dumbasses, but people do, in general, have sense. And where you put sense and motivations together, more interesting stories come than just Grimdark, and then everyone dies. Exactly. Right? And I, one of the Grimdark novels I actually really enjoyed 
was Joe Abercrombie's Best Surf Cold, which is another revenge story with a woman at the center. I thought everyone had motivation. I thought it was 100 pages too long, if I'm completely honest. But I thought everyone had motivation. There were interesting female characters. But this crown for cold silver, there are women everywhere. Like, as mm. side characters in the background. It's obvious that women have control here. Mm. There's, like, a whole um, sect of warrior nuns called the Nuns of the Chain. Okay. The Nuns of the Chain Fire. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm not against this. I don't know what exactly... The other thing is, it's one of those alternating chapter viewpoints. Okay. So every other chapter is the main character, and the other chapters are... Secondary characters. Various people, I think, are going to come together, because... Okay. She's gathering her five villains back up, so okay. I'm like, I don't know which ones are the villains or not. But so she's bound six devils in. She's got five villains. Man, okay, yeah. and oh, I'm, come I'm, on, I'm, gotta I'm collect fa- them all. Right? Like, I'm fairly sure she only kept the one devil, and she gave one to each of her villains. Okay, so I'm like, I'm only like six chapters in. There are a lot of female characters. There's a queer noble couple that no one reacts to when she goes to find one of her villains, and they're like, Oh, you mean the husband of the Lord of Huaban? Okay, and I'm like, oh, no, all right, so queers exist, at least queer men, hopefully more queers, but um, I'm really liking it. I think it's really well done, it's got the grimdark, but it's got the motivation, Okay, and even pushing through, I love a revenge story, you know this, I love a fucking revenge story, Um, and I often find it hard to push through the first few chapters, because for revenge to happen, something fucked up's gotta go down. Right. But it worked. I was like, it works really hard because I know that something's coming for you in this chapter. I know. Like, you're in this arrogant guy's head where he's like, oh, looking around the mirror, says Howland's like, oh, you know what? This could be a nice hunting lodge. I'll have people do this. And I'm like, you won't get some shit right now. Nice hunting lodge, huh? Right? Don't assume you're the hunter. <laughs> exactly. So um, if this keeps on keeping on the way it is, I am going to probably write a review for it. Okay. Um, and see if I can get it published somewhere because it is a good Good book. Okay. Um, and right now I'm imagining that everyone who's not described is brown. Because I'm just like, yeah. we'll just do that. Because the Empire's obviously some fucked up shit, and I don't want them to be brown. Um, shall we start going into our main topic? Yes. Um, How shall we do it? Is it more like, ooh, magic? <laughs> <laughs> um, so our main topic <laughs> is <laughs> different magic systems. Magic. Um, <laughs> I sort of want to do the Tia Dalma voice. I go, Our magic is of the earth. <laughs> Ancient, mystical, oriental magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. I just thought about something to bring up, but you go first. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, go I ahead. have to look it up because I've actually forgotten. You forgot the name. I forgot the name because I blocked this book from my memory so hard. So hard. Well, I mean, the, so the thing is, most of the stuff I wrote down was actually it done well. Okay, Because, good. I mean, there's so easy about doing bad, right? Yes. Um, but I guess if we're going to start with doing that... Well, we don't need to well, do... Well, how, how about doing one that sits on the edge? Okay, let's do that. Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. Big Trouble in Little China, obviously very orientalized, etc. Mm-hmm. But the fact is the white guy is the sidekick in the whole movie. True. He doesn't accomplish shit. Like, <laughs> he doesn't accomplish shit. Right. And it's like, like that's the thing I always thought was so interesting is like how people just did not pick up on that, right? Like, it's like, he's not really doing jack. Like, other than being a witness to all this shit going down. Exactly. Like, I mean, oh, that is a great movie. And you know what it just, um, 
it just fucking reminded me of, I don't know if you remember this film, Golden Child? Yes. Give me the knife. Yes. <laughs> and the blood oatmeal. Yes. I was like, Golden Child, let's not pretend Golden Child doesn't have some fucked up Orientalist moments in it, because it does. Yeah. But Eddie Murphy's the hero. Right. Saving this little other kid of color. Right. And I'm like, look, people of color making alliances and being like, you, you will not kill our people. Well, I also like the fact that he passed all the mystical tests. Yes. Because usually when you have a story that involves mystical tests, you have the chosen hero, and it's always the white dude. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you know what? Actually, I'm glad Eddie Murphy got to do this. You know, I'm sad. I feel like Will Smith should do a movie like that. You know, a mystical, go-through-all-the-quest kind of thing. I would love it. I don't understand his... (laughs) Side, Side note. I understand his new his new sort of ethos in film. I don't I'm know very, what's his ethos. I, I don't know. All of a sudden, remember when Will Smith couldn't be paired with a white woman? Oh, yeah. When we, he could not be romantically paired with a white woman because people would lose their minds? Right. And somehow we flip-flop to the point where he could only be paired with white women. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand how that happened. I saw the commercial for his new movie where he's a con man last night. Oh, I don't even know. It's something in him and some white girl who's supposed to be new, the new baddest bombshell in Hollywood, Margot Robbie or something. I don't know who this chick is. I don't care. But <laughs> Just my little side note. But I think Will Smith should go back. Will Smith and sci-fi are a great fucking pairing. Right. With the exception of After Earth. Well, which is why I feel like it'd be fun to see him do like the mystical quest thing. Or some fantasy, because he hasn't. Because he ha- he's never done fantasy, you're right. I, right, I hadn't thought about that. Right, and I mean, tell me, like, I mean, Greg, even with Hollywood being Hollywood, you could easily throw him in something with some Greek myth, or, like, the Mediterranean, or, you know, like, why didn't they put Will Smith in Prince of Persia movie if we're not going to put a freaking you know, if we're not going to put someone from the Mideast in there, fine, put Will Smith. Like, <laughs> put Will Smith. Right? <laughs> like... Okay, so I found the book that you reminded me of when you did your fucked up oriental accent. Okay, what book is this? This is a book, okay, so I don't know if you remember Juno Books. I don't know if they're still publishing. I think they Uh. got sold. But they're um, like a small imprint that was focusing on women authors and women characters. Okay. Or not even women authors, just women characters. Okay. I picked up this book. Child, I I needed to say, I... It's called Blood Magic by Matthew Cook. Now, when it started, I was fine with it. So, audience, you can't hear the expression in my face. There was this deep <laughs> inhale, exhale, and tightening of lips. Continue. <laughs> it, I don't bite your lips off because you might by the end of this. So, at first, I didn't mind the story. Young woman, she got some sort of dark magic, which means that she can, like, make these monstrous things out of dead bodies that she then calls her babies and sends off to do her bidding. I'm kind of down with that shit. Okay. I was like, okay. Everyone else around her is creeped out. Is but she, she white? She's white. Okay. She's working for an empire. She's doing something. And I'm sort of down. And then you get her backstory and you find out why she has these power, which is her and her sister were married off to these two men who were abusive. Okay. The abusive man killed her sister. Okay. They were twins. She did some dark magic, like, came into his house, had sex with him while he was asleep, and, like, killed him and made her first, like malformed child out of his dead body. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with you this. You killed my sister, that can happen. Yeah. But <laughs> then they introduce the other woman who comes from the East 
and is the Imperial Princess. Does the word Jade yes. Pearl show up? I'm I can't remember exactly, but I'm fair like ninety-five Pearl or Jasmine. <laughs> I'm ninety-five percent positive Jade goes in there somewhere. Uh-huh. And she got some sort of lightning power and blah blah blah. Now, I was willing to give it more of a chance. I read the whole book. I read the whole book. But here's what fucking kills me. She, the girl who makes the dirty babies, has like a love interest that has passed on at the beginning of the book. He's killed. Okay. She's defending herself from all these people who call her power unholy and call her this and da-da-da. As soon as this chick finds out she's pregnant, Uh her opinion switches to theirs. Now that I'm actually pregnant with a child, I can see that this was dark magic. And I was just like, really? Because really? Wow. Because you were pregnant before this. It's not like... It's not like getting pregnant changed your mind. It was the knowledge that you were pregnant. Either one is fucked up. Right. But, and so it's obviously, the reason I kept with it is it was obviously sort of a love story between her and the Imperial Princess. And I was like, I don't get enough lesbianism in my, in my epic fantasy. I'll keep reading. And then? Well, there's like a bunch of war. She decides to give up the magic. But here's the moment that I actually almost kept reading. Because it was, it was so problematic, I was just like, I'm going to finish this, I'm definitely not going to read a sequel. That's just not going to happen. Okay. The moment that almost made me want to read the sequel... <laughs> oh, this I shouldn't laugh because this is dark and everyone listening is going to think I'm an asshole. Um, she goes into labor. Okay. And gives birth to the baby. But remember, her magic is centered around death and right. blood. Right. They don't cut the cord soon enough, so she sucks the life out of her own baby. After it's born, I was just like, I fell out laughing, which is probably not the response they wanted. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, this is the thing, you play with fire. Right? And, like, and she's all like, cut the cord, cut the cord. I was just like, shit, shit. It felt like so ridiculous that I was like, and then she turns dark again, and all of a sudden she's fine with her magic again. And that was just, that was, I was like, you seem to be like predicating her point of view and her opinions on her genitalia. And on her, like, womb, and whether it's filled or not, and I just don't understand this. And, well, I can certainly say there's enough straight dude media that is basically revolving around their dick. Yeah. There's more agency. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a choice to follow your dick, as opposed to your dick literally shapes your comprehension. Exactly, and I was like, there's dark, there are dark, evil mothers all up and through literature, and we love a lot of them. Yeah. Like, she didn't have, anyway... That was that was what reminded well, me because yeah. I <laughs> I just and I just looked him up and it turns out there there was a sequel and he was nominated for a Galactica Spectrum Award for his do better do better Galactic Spectrum Award <laughs> do better you you approved of this shit this is not oh, I'm gonna save it for my rant I'm gonna okay. save it for okay. my rant so so I'm gonna go into good good POC magic yes. Um, there's a movie. It's on Netflix. It is The Legend of the Tsunami Warrior. Uh-oh. The original title was The Queens of Lankasuka. Ooh. It is basically pre-Thailand. You've got a small nation that is basically ruled by a queen. She's got her sister. And they're fighting between three other countries trying to push their way in. And pirates. Okay. And okay. basically they're doing shit like... Um, one of the things is they've gotten a Chinese guy on their team who is a weapons inventor. Mm-hmm. He was apprenticed to a Dutchman to make bigger cannons. So a lot of the plots revolving around finding this lost Dutch cannon 
that's made with better tech than what they currently have. You've got okay. one dude who was a villager who ends up, uh, he basically ends up learning their magic. Um, and the thing is, he ends up studying with, like, I mean, he knew a little bit of magic, mm-hmm. but then, you know, they're like, okay, your magic's starting to twist you, so we're gonna put you under the master who will get you straight with stuff. And the magic is all water and ocean-based stuff, so he's doing stuff like summoning manta rays, um, fish to, like, like attack people or knock over boats, he can stay underwater for a couple hours. This... <laughs> But the part that's also interesting is the way in which it has its, you know, it's not just like, oh, look, I have magic powers. Mm -hmm. It's, I think it's like the full moon or something, or nighttime. There's some specific sort of regular change Mm -hmm. when he turns, they're like, yeah, so the more power you have, the more it emphasizes both your good and your dark side, but it's based on, like, you know, I think it was full moon or something. So, like, like, the master basically would lock himself up in a room. Like, when he knew the the moon was going to change. He's like, yeah, because during this time I'm an evil person. Oh, shit. Right. So okay. it, was like, it was really interesting. So all this converges into them basically trying to fight off other kingdoms. And you basically have, like, the multi, multi-Asian, like, pirates trying to come through. Which is, like, a combination of Japanese, Chinese... They've got Arabic folk showing up. Like that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. What's the name? I'm gonna watch this. What's the uh, name? It's of this Legend again? of the Tsunami Warrior. Is it on Netflix? Netflix? It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. I have something to watch tonight. Oh, and her sister is a dope, a dope archer. And when it comes to war, they come out in armor, even though they're not directly in the front line. So I was like, okay, this is this is good. Well, arrows fly. I'm yeah. glad you realized this. Yeah. I don't understand the lack of armor for a lot of people who are, even if they're not fighting, I'm like, you are on a war zone. I just introduced a friend to Artesia. Oh, Artesia, how I love you. So, Artesia, comic book, we talked about this before, but, uh, you know, she also was like, why has she not got any pants on? (laughs) Every friend, everyone asks, they go, why has she got no pants on? (laughs) It's like, just get through the first six issues and then she has pants on, I swear. Right, and the thing is, it's like, all the other armor is all, you know, realistically made, and then it's like, but she don't got no pants. Like, I mean, because her thighs are magic. Well, I I mean, it's true that thick thighs save lives and that that people can kill, crush a, crush some shit with their thighs, but still, like... But still. Oh, like... I figure warrior shit would chafe. I'm just saying, like... I mean, chainmail... A chainmail bikini is gonna chafe you in places you never wanted. Well, the pinching. Uh, The pinching. Not that I know from experience, or if I do, there aren't photos, so never mind. (laughs) But one, one author I think we have to talk about if we're gonna talk about... I mean, there are a few we have to talk about if we're going to talk about good magic systems. Mm-hmm. But someone who every book I love is uh, Nalo Hopkinson. Mm. Yeah. Nalo Hopkinson, number one, her magic systems are, they never feel the same. Mm. They definitely, I feel like they come from a place of like, at the root, ATRs. Right. Like, it feels like they're rooted in African traditional religions without feeling co-opted, without feeling, um, it's not exploited. Right, it's not, I'm going to reach you the points that you could get off Wikipedia. Exactly. I'm not going to, um, uh, explain the whole thing to you. You know, let's lay out how this magic works in the entire, it's just taken as, 
normal for what the people are dealing with. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's part of what um, I love about it. See, I feel like a lot of a lot of people are on. Wow, how crude am I going to be? Whatever. A lot of people are on... We say some shit. So we say some shit. You don't know who I am. It's all secret. Um, magical. Magical. Um, a lot of people are on Brandon Sanderson's dick. Okay. Because of his magic systems. Okay. Um, I haven't read his shit, so I'm Well, like... the reason people like it, and I understand why is because he lays out very directly what the magic does. Mm-hmm. There's no going beyond, these are the rules and limits. These are what you can do with this magic. That's it. Uh-huh. And so it allows people to sort of have that real-world knowledge of what can and can't happen in a situation. Right. But I don't want that from my books. I don't want a, someone who's, like, getting new powers every chapter, like Anita Blake or anything like that. But I feel like... I like the element of surprise and awe and wonder in the magic in um, my books, in the books I read. Well, it's like, it's like, is, um, I think there's the part where people go, is magic mysterious or is magic like a set of physics laws? Exactly. And both those can be interesting, but they're interesting in different ways. Uh, magic is mystery is really fun. Like, I feel that's the vibe I got from Pan's Labyrinth. Yes, I don't definitely. know exactly what's going on, and I'm not even, <laughs> there's constantly feeling like, is this okay? Oh like, my God. That's the best part. That's that, that. I love that movie. Yeah. And it's also one of the most disturbing movies ever. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. But I have the weakness for the young girl traveling into like an alternate dimension stories. Like I yeah. love that kind of shit. Um, but Nalo, I feel like is that like magic, not even sort of as mystery, but also as we know there are rules to it. We know that within this world, um, let's say Brown Girl in the Ring, which is her first novel. I'm trying not to spoil anyone who hasn't read her later stuff. Um, you never expect her to, like, grow t- 20 feet or fly through the air or do all this. She is on some ATR shit. Is she able to make herself unnoticeable for a few moments? Yes. Yeah. Is she able to do these smaller things? Sure. But she's not, like, going in, like... When I say she mystery, hoped. I don't mean like there's no, oh, no, 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 but I mean in the sense that we're like, we're not sure exactly where exactly. the is. And I think that she does that amazingly well. Yeah. Also N.K. Jemison. Yeah. Who, I mean, I'm waiting for that new book, which is supposed to be out this August. I just, her magic is always, well, I mean, I feel like she's done both. Because with the first trilogy, the Inheritance trilogy, she was really working with gods. Yeah. So it was like, well... Gods can do shit. Like, you're not going to have rules for what a god can and can't do most of the time. But what's interesting is the way that entire series is built on the idea, we have made rules for gods. Exactly. And this is fucked up, right? Like, exactly. Um, yeah, it's like the ones where you do uh, magic as a set of physics, um, it can be interesting, but laying out all the rules is not necessarily the thing that makes that interesting. Mm-hmm. It's more the clever use of the rules. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel this is what makes Death Note work. Right. Because the thing is, once you lay out a rule, then people are going to start asking questions, and you got to start exploring how those things work. Exactly. Yeah. And also, people find ways around rules. Yes. People wait, find ways around rules all the time, and it's sort of like, give me a little something of that. Um, there is an anime series that I watched that does a pretty interesting thing with that. It's called Tokyo Ravens. Mm-hmm. It's basically an alternate history. It posits um, at World War II, Japan figures out how to combine, like, like
like, it's assumed that everyone had, like, little magic that could do basic shit, but Japan figures out a way to combine its main magic systems into a powerful thing. Okay. And so it's, it's like, basically, they, they still lose the war, but not quite in the same way, and, like, they kind of have more independence, because basically they start equipping their, their bombers with magic bombs, mm-hmm. and so they're doing all this shit, and, um... What's interesting about the series is it's taking place in the modern world, and they're doing, um, they are basically, uh, dealing with stuff of all the magic houses going up against each other, um, in rivalry, and they're all doing this with, uh, with, like, sort of intense scheming. And so they're using their own magic laws kind of to, to mess with, the, to, to get past each other. So it's like, I'm gonna curse my own kid. So that you don't recognize that this kid is really powerful. Wait, is this the one you told me about where they think that one person is like the heir for the magic, yes. but it's actually Another. the other one? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. I remember you mentioning this. So so it's things like that, where if you're going to have rules, use them in interesting ways, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, then that becomes sort of like a magical version of a murder mystery. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. I, I've, I've always loved that sort of... I mean, one of my favorite books... I don't know if I ever made you read it. Maybe I should. Fistful of Sky by Nina Kariki Hoffman. I have not, but... Uh, uh, if I can find my copy... I think I let Jackie borrow it, and she was like, not for me. Um, but it is this very small story about a family who all has magic powers. Mm-hmm. Except for the oldest daughter, who's 19 and has never come into her... You told me about this? Yes. Yes, okay. And they're all named after Stone, so her name is Gypsum, and she's never come into her powers, and her family all goes away. Her father has no powers. It comes from her mother's side, I think. Okay. And so all the siblings, except for her, have, like, different powers. They go away on a trip to visit uh, the oldest sister, and she goes through transformation while they're gone. Okay. And so she gets the power of cursing. Right, you told me about and this. And it's all yeah. about her learning how, because she's not a bad person. Right. And so it's all about her learning how to use, because if she doesn't use her power, it will store up in her body and kill her. Right. So it's basically all about her trying to figure out... Ways around the cursing. Ways, like, not so... not kill herself and not hurt anyone. Exactly. Too. So she does things like curses her mom with uh, red leather go- gloves. <laughs> and part of the curses, they won't come off for six hours. Okay. Because her power only lasts so long. Right, so it's inconveniences. Exactly. But it's fascinating in terms of the way the magic is used. There aren't really rules, but that's not what you're there for. Right. You're there for all the fun that's going to happen and all the things that are going to happen around other shit. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Um, you're going to run to the door and I'm, I'm going to talk it. I'm going <laughs> to stop for a second and Yellow Peril will entertain you. Um... Well, well, he does that. I think uh, I'm going to talk about this other series that I really love. Um, there is a manga that came out in the 90s called Orion. It's by uh, Masamune Shiro. Uh, Orion, uh, Masamune Shiro is mostly known for Ghost in the Shell and Appleseed, like all cyberpunk stuff. But Orion is really interesting because it's his first time to really going into fantasy. And it's positing an entire civilization built entirely on magic in, um, that's on Venus. And all the magic is basically Buddhist Taoist. So he does, Masamune Shiro is known for loving, like, details. Like, whenever he does, like, his cyberpunk stuff, it always turns into, like, um, it turns into, like, 
you know, he'll have entire pages, like, in the back of any issue of his book explaining, like, how the technology works. He does the same thing here with magic, um, where he basically takes real-world physics about, like, stuff like, uh, you know, the spin of quantum particles, except he's applying it to the idea of yin and yang, and, like, Taoist eight trigram theory. And so you have this fun, uh, this fun story basically about folks trying to use this intense made up like magic system to invert karma, uh, as they're basically a, uh, a evil empire or they're an empire. Naturally empires, uh, conquer people and build up a lot of negative karma. And so they decide the way they're getting out of it is they're going to transform it all into good karma by effectively cheating, uh, cheating the world. And so, uh, that tends to lead to the kind of problems you would expect, like angry gods showing up and monsters and uh, tons and tons of, like, intense, fun magic. And it's one of the series that I'm, like, very sad never got turned into uh, anime, and also he never continued. Uh, so that's one thing I thought was uh, a pretty fun series. And the return! I'm back! I'm Sorry! Negro! Yay! Okay. Okay. Things are done. Delivery's mad. I All pretty right. much just geeked out about the Orion comic. Oh, oh. Yes. Okay. I just gave a rundown of Orion, because Orion is magic done pretty well. It's done amazingly well. Right. Um, I also feel like there are comics that, um, comics that get canceled uh, that yeah. I feel like, okay, so, wow, this is two years ago? Yeah. There was a series, I think it was called Demon Knights. Maybe this it was, was a U.S. comic? was a U.S. comic. Okay. It was actually, like, alternate, sort of alternate DC shit. Okay. So some of the characters were from the modern DC. They were, like, Madame Xanadu was in it. Okay. Um, Etrigan, Jason Blood and Etrigan the Demon. Okay. Who share a body. Okay. Vandal Savage. Oh, Vandal Savage. Right. Um, there was an early incarnation of The Shining Knight. Okay. Who's the one who rides the winged white horse? Okay. Except the interesting part was no one could tell if the Shining Knight in this era was male or female. Okay. But they did such interesting things with these. It's basically like seven heroes against this empire that's coming. Okay. And they're like, what are we going to do? Number one, there were some great women. There's like a woman that's obviously an Amazon and has been exiled from the island for whatever reason. Okay. There's the other woman who doesn't give her name is disabled, she can't walk, so she rides a horse most of the time, mm. and she's the fucking best archer they've ever seen. Like, literally, she can launch an arrow a land away and hit the wall near someone's head. Oh. So, like, these people are not playing. Right. But the magic was so well done, and so, I mean, and there's a great, so the moment I love the most is that you find out that Madame Xanadu is lovers with both Jason Blood uh-huh. and his alternate demon self. Oh, okay. And that they both think that she loves them, and is just sleeping with the other to just find a way right. to get rid of them. But she's like, no, I'm good with you both. Right? Yeah. And the Amazon, whose name is something like Excaritos or something, yeah. has the nerve to come at her and cascade her and like call her a whore and do all this. Mm. And Madame Xanadu basically like lays her out with words and is like, you know what? You come from your all-women all like all island where everything's fucking hunky-dory. We live here in Patriarch's world. We have to work our way around this side of shit. So you don't get to come here and judge me for what I do. Well, it's also interesting because that also seems like kind of poor writing. Yeah. Because it's sort of like, 
Um, why wouldn't an Amazon assume if you've got more men that you own the men? Well, because the Amazons don't have men, right? Well, yes, but in that same sense, the attitude would be, I'm going out to this place which is clearly inferior, and if I choose to have more of these, they're serving me. That's right? true. Well, they, I, I didn't finish the comic because then it got can I fell behind, and then it got canceled, and then I was like, what's the point of me catching up? Right. Um, but it was clear that some shit had gone down in her home territory, and she was not a normal aunt. Like, she got banished. She did some dark shit. Mm-hmm. But that was one in which the magic was there in every panel, but it was subtle, it was magical, it was ugh, it was just so good. And the draw the art on it was amazing too. Just from my opinion. Uh, I wanna also mention uh, there's this movie, it's also on Netflix, it's called The Assailant in English, but it was originally Basoro. And it is basically uh, magical capoeira. Ooh! Wait. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I had for, for I had the one quick moment. Where I, my brain froze, and I couldn't distinguish between capoeira and capybara. And so, <laughs> I, I do have to say, there's an anime I'm watching that has a capybara. I just, <laughs> that's why I froze when you said magical capoeira, because I was like, magical rodents? I'm not against it, but... Okay. But why is that selling points? <laughs> <laughs> That's me. That's just me having a brain issue. I'm but it, it's really interesting because of, you know, the, oh, naturally, of course, ATR. Yeah. Um, Eshu, Eshu Allegba makes Ooh. an appearance. Okay. Um, the main character tries to have a fight with him, and naturally that doesn't turn out well for him. No. They do this really great job of, um, you know, putting in the mystical quest. Um, this is all taking place just after slavery ended. Mm. But that basically means no one's actually still free. Like, like this is, like, basically, oh, you're not enslaved, but you're still going to have to work here. Yeah. Or you, we're going to kill you. You're like, still, like, you're yeah, not yeah. legally enslaved. Right. But you're but enslaved. Situationally, right. you're still a fucking slave. Right. And so, um, yeah, if you want, basically, great action sequences, um, you know, African, African uh, religion and deities and spirits done correctly, it's pretty good. Um, the only thing I do have to say is the Netflix version is dubbed, mm. and the dubbing is not great, and the... I always prefer subtitled. Yeah, and it's the... I mean, it's true that, in fact, this, that the Spanish guys would be using this particular word a lot, but... What word? The, you know, everyone's oh. favorite genocidal racial slur. Oh, fun! You know, which, I mean, I'm like, yes, it is true they would use that, I'm just not sure... That it needed to be here that much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, I feel like, okay, so, I feel like sub subtitles are always better than dubbing. Right. If only because, even if I don't know the language, emotion comes through in the voice. Right. And you dubbing over it means that I'm confused as to what this character is feeling, because you don't really know how to do this shit. Right. But can we segue for just a second and talk generally about the use of ATRs in fantasy? Oh, God. Fantasy or just movies? Right? Oh, both. Because I let's, mean, let's, let's just say everything. Let's mm-hmm. just say because nothing will like one of those things that will turn me off of a of a movie or book right quick is when there's a mention of voodoo. Like number one, get the term right. It's, well, it's not voodoo. Well, like, like, like I can understand if we're talking if we're if we're gonna say. This is a biased, a narr- you know, a biased, a biased narrative, narrative. Yes, who doesn't know the proper term, mm-hmm. right? Or if we're talking like, um, you know, people who are who are deep 
diaspora and sort of like the word we have left is hoodoo. That's it. Right. But, but hoodoo is very different from voodoo. Exactly. Hoodoo is accept I understand hoodoo and I get right. what you're saying there. Voodoo is not Right. But they're not, you know, they're not getting it. Yeah. Right? And I just feel like I just feel like it's it's it voodoo, quote unquote, I'm doing the finger quotes every time I say it, even if you can't see me. Voodoo gets thrown into these movies. And books that have no magical elements whatsoever. Yes. Like, it's a completely normal film about people living in an apartment building in New York. And then all of a sudden, like, the old black woman who lives beneath you knows some voodoo. And that's how you're going to... And I'm or, just, I love it when they throw it into some random shit. And this is the one scene where the mysterious magical Negro is going to show up and give you the one piece of advice. And then, like, you're going to deal with your shit. And I'm like, hold on. This person literally did magic and it worked. And you're not going to go back and like really try and learn about this? Right? I show up in a lot of movies as the Magical Negro. And I ain't seen one check. That's what I have to say. <laughs> but I do not... Like, I don't understand how... And it goes back to the belief that all POC are somehow magical in our own ways. Right. No matter where we are, no matter who we are. Like, <laughs> I feel like I could walk into the SAG offices in L.A., and be like, you know I know some voodoo shit. And they would all react like I did. Right. Like, I could just say something because there's this pervasive belief that all brown people have some sort of magic, some sort of connection to the earth, and that we... I just... I don't understand it. If you're gonna put magic in a movie, right. why would you not have people react to this? Right. Your normal suburban white teenager is not going to see someone do some fucking magic shit and just be like, oh, another day, let's just move on. Right. I just, voodoo, stops. And that would be the sound of the cat falling. <laughs> you know what? She deserved it. She can't, she can't keep her own balance. I can't do nothing for her. <laughs> she rolled straight out of my lap. Okay. Gravity confirmed. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I feel like you see this in a lot of films where it's all white. You don't see any POC and, until you see, like, the Asian acupuncturist who has some herbs that'll help. Or, like, the abuelita who everyone, like, crosses their fingers because they're like, oh, she's this. Like, it's all that sort of stuff. That's just, And I've seen, I've seen books and movies do really good with it. Um, specifically... One of the books I love, I don't know if I ever, I can't find my copy, otherwise I would have let you borrow it. City of the Lost by Stephen Blackmore. Oh, that sounds familiar. It's, very, it's a trade, it's pretty damn short for a trade. Um, and I love it because it's an L.A. mobster enforcer mm -hmm. who basically ends up getting turned into a zombie. Like his boss oh, sends okay. him to like go pick up this jewel, and he's like, um... I don't really know, because the first guy who comes back goes crazy and bites someone in the bar, and he's like, this is some wrong shit. So then he gets sent, and he gets turned into a zombie, and he doesn't realize what he is at first, and there's some really dark humor in there mm -hmm. about him eating some people. But one of the things I love is that you do get to the, like, the Latino gang that has the evil abuelita upstairs who, like, has magic. But here's the moment. Here's the moment. You go upstairs, he goes upstairs to meet her. She is a 23-year-old UCLA graduate. Nice. <laughs> from so, who, in social services, who everyone thinks she, she does her magic through what her t-shirts say. Nice. 
And so and she's convinced everyone that she's like this older woman because she's like, this gang is not going to respect me if they know that I'm like a 23-year-old girl. Right. And that she's using her magic to set up social services for vampires, <laughs> to set up social services for all these people. Because vampires, since they take blood and they, right. they basically um, sex work for blood, a lot of them have a lot of STIs that don't right. really affect them, but they pass on. Right. And so she's setting up all this shit, and I was like, wait a minute. You, you're actually doing something really interesting with this trope. Right. Um, which is why I didn't appreciate his next book, which had, like, it had some shit. Okay. So, yeah. But that first book, City of the Lost, which is a standalone, I recommend. It's amazing. If I can find my copy, I will make you read it, because I think you would really like it. Nice. That um, also makes me think of there was a comic came out in the 90s and then disappeared um, called Blockheads. And it was basically... sound familiar? There's only like maybe four or five issues I, I remember seeing. It's basically... Uh, it, it took this idea of what if hip-hop literally could do magic. Wait! Oh my god! I do... I did not remember the name of this! Yes. I had like one issue of this yes. comic. Right. And oh my god, yes! Go, right. go! I right. don't remember... And so, so this comic, it was, it was pretty dope because it was basically like, yeah, if you have magical power... You can literally use hip hop to change things, right? Oh. And it was interesting as they had like this whole political thing, like like the signing labels and stuff were part ways to try and gather yourself a magical cabal. And like some people were like, "Look, I just want the money, and it doesn't matter how I get it. And since drugs make money, and if I rap about drugs, I can pull money from that." Like, I seriously, I had for, I had. So when I was younger, my stepdad used to take me to Lee's Comics in San Mateo all the time. Mm-hmm. And he would basically give me a 20 or or 40 bucks and send me at the 25 cent bins and just be like, do what you got to do. Right. And so with 20 bucks in a 25 cent bin, you got comics. Right? You were good. So right. a lot of my comic novel knowledge is like sporadic in certain ways. Right. Because I had a lot of um, old school stuff where the storylines didn't line up. I remember getting one issue of this in a 25 cent bin and being like, what the fuck is this? Yes. Where do I get more? How do I get more? And until you brought it up, I had completely forgotten about this. I didn't remember the name or anything. No, I have been remembering this for years. (laughs) I wonder if there's a collected edition somewhere. I want some. Well, I know. I think the guy tried to do an animated series, but this was before Kickstarter really took off. Mm -hmm. And, And to be honest... Although comics do make good animated series, the skills you need and the production teams you need are way bigger. Yeah. Um, uh, but I was also going to say, tying into the thing of um, also flipping tropes into modern ways, mm-hmm. um, I, I probably told you about this a couple weeks ago, Rigor Mortis, Chinese horror movie. Oh, Jesus, you did. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so basically, uh, you take the hopping vampire trope, you take Taoist sorcery, all that stuff, you put it in a modern tenement. And you've got, like, this Taoist sorcerer who's who basically, like, some dark he's shit. not even the main character. The main character is an ex-actor who basically is put to a tenement specifically to commit suicide because he's lost everything. And you've got, like, a Taoist sorcerer who is uh, basically, like, a, a, sh- a chef at this, like, janky restaurant that they have in the courtyard. <laughs> like, but it's great because they actually take in all these interesting tropes. Like, like the idea is that um, you can use rice to scare away spirits. Uh-huh. And so that's why he's a chef, because that gives him access to, like, good quality rice. And he okay. talks about every vampire hunter actually had family ties to different uh, rice shops. 
Oh, okay. Right, and he's like, so what do you do when the vampires disappear? I guess you start cooking. Like, so, and it's funny, because he shows up in, like, his flip-flops and his bathroom. I mean, basically, he looks like, you know, the janky uncle on the corner. Oh, like, Jesus. <laughs> but he's, like, a Taoist sorcerer, right? Like, Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about that. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you want to move on to why must it be? Sure. What's your why must it be? Do you want to go first? No, because my brain is, like, totally blank right now, but I'm sure you... Okay. When you say yours, I will probably find something to rage on as well. So, I had a different why must it be when this whole thing started, which was about the X-Men films and specifically Future Past. Um, Not really going to go into that because I have a new one, but let me just say as a quick note, Kitty Pride is supposed to be the lead of that fucking movie. Fuck you, Wolverine. The whole point is that she can go back in time because she can phase. And it's not like you had Kitty Pryde as an unknown actress. It was Ellen Page. If you're telling me you cannot center a movie around Ellen Page, you suck, Hollywood. Like, the end. Right. So, that was my mini why must it be, just to get it out. But, my main why must it be, it was actually inspired by the book I was talking about, Blood Magic, and my realization that it won a Galactic Spectrum Award. Because <laughs> I can't. I can't with this. It drives me crazy. And we see multiple fucking moments of it. Remember Cloud Atlas? Everyone likes to forget that that shit got a GLAD award. They gave it a GLAD award. So here's my issue. These organizations or blogs or groups that will completely fucking ignore some problematic shit because it don't apply to them. We're yep. going to give Cloud Atlas an award because we like the stuff it did with queer and queer characters. What about the yellow face? Guess what? Queer and Asian are not mutually exclusive groups. Right. So, uh, and since given half the time y'all are exotifying, especially historically before it became a bad thing in some of these groups. Exactly. Huh, interesting. So really, I'm going to need y'all to actually look at shit. I, it's it's one of the things, as a queer person, I like to keep on my queer news, I go to a few blogs, check out what's going on, and I've noticed that they're so fucking white. They pay lip service to the idea of diversity, but they're so white, and the one that really raised my ire, and this is months ago, so you know I'm pissed if I'm still thinking about it. this was in October, mm-hmm. was the Gaily Grind, okay, which is one of the ones I go to, to check out what's going on. They had a list, I'm almost positive it was the Gaily Grind, it might be Queer Tea, but I'm almost positive it was Gaily Grind, had a list of, like, Halloween costumes you could do. I think it might have been even been listed as non-problematic Halloween costumes you could do. Why was one of the first fucking things on there an Indian? With a headdress and everything. And I was like, are you kidding me? My silence is me rubbing my head in agony. It's just like, are you kidding me? I'm just done with these groups and organizations that refuse to look at the confluences of identity. Oh, was that movie really, really good about brown folks? Great. But did you see how they treated the gay people in it? It wasn't fucking great. And it wasn't trying to teach me anything. It was just the same homophobic bullshit. Right. Um, And this was one of the issues I had with Dear White People. Which yeah, that's I, exactly what I thought. Right? You mentioned that. I was like, oh, there's Dear White People right there. I actually love Dear White People as a film. I think it's great. That queer storyline pissed me off. He doesn't get to kiss anyone except as a joke. 
He doesn't get to have really a sexuality at fucking all. And, and he's never really accepted. He's tolerated. He's tolerated. At the end, it's assumed he's accepted, but you know what would have proved it to me? If he had a little boyfriend that he kissed on his way down the stairs. You know I would have been like, cool. You know what else I want to see? I want to see that dude have a job. Which dude? Uh, you know, the fact that he fucking... You, like, you're a reporter. You do oh, yeah. all the work. Like, you should have a job. Right? You should have a position right now. Right. Like, what... And it just felt like he gets two kisses from that abusive white man who, like, is taking advantage of him... And, and then, the guy who, who's, who's trying to beat the shit out of him. Exactly. I, it's just like, I, I get that this wasn't your focus, but you chose to put this in. It, it was sad because it's one of those things where I, well, I was watching me, I was like, you know, I was like, you are so influenced by Spike Lee. And then when I saw it, I was like, you're too influenced you're by too Spike influenced Lee. By, and the thing is that I saw it multiple times, um, and it actually took me, I think, two or three, because I liked it. This is... Here's the thing, I think, just to get out the way for all of our why, not all of our why must be, for some of them. Just because I'm ranting about something does not mean I don't love it. I just want it to be better. I just see the problems. Right. I didn't notice in the first viewing, because he has that moment where he's sitting on the steps and he sort of sees the gay group that's all white, and then, like, the black group, and he imagined himself with each, I didn't realize that was him at first, imagining himself in different scenarios with each group. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was that actor. I just thought he saw two black people go up to these groups. And so I was like, really? Really? You're going to tell me that there ain't another queer black person on that campus? We find each other. I found people in high school. I went to the valley. You're going to tell me Ivy League? You're going to tell me Ivy League? You're going to tell me queer people do not know how to put on the mask. Well, and then all the queer people in this Ivy League act in that exact way, that that's the only way that gay people act. I, and this has gotten on to Dear White People, and that's not the point of my rant. I don't want oh, it to yeah, be yeah. about Dear but, White but People. But, like, being, being so much progressive and then, but ignoring, like, gaping it, issues. Gaping issues. These people, and uh, this is one of the reasons I have issues with a lot of comics, um, who are great when they talk about race, but then as soon as they get to talking about women, I'm like, what the fuck is your problem? Or they're great about women, and then they're fucked up about race. Right? Yeah. The two I'm thinking of specifically are um, Aziz Asnari and Donald Glover. Who I'm like, I tried to watch their stand-up, and I'm like, well, Donna Glover's actually worse. I maybe should have brought, shouldn't have brought up Aziz Aznari, because I don't think he's that bad. I've only seen clips of him. But Donald Glover's a problem when he talks about women. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to need you to take a step back. Because what the fuck is your problem? That you're only humor. You are not smart enough, then. If you cannot make a joke that doesn't rely on misogyny, you're not smart enough to be a comic. Get your ass off the stage. Right. You know, it's funny, because my why must it be is going to tie right into your why must it be. Yay! Um, so, I didn't watch it, and, and I'm, but I'm going to talk about the reasons I didn't watch it is fresh off the boat. Oh, child. Okay. Uh, oof. I wish I had a drink. Go. <laughs> Go. All I saw was what came on my timeline, and I was like, exactly, exactly. And it's like, like, so, I mean, all right. And it's funny because this morning, this thing occurred to me completely separate of Fresh Off the Boat. And it was me realizing that growing up, the two examples of canonically Asian characters I remember as a kid seeing was Min-Mei on Robotech. Oh, damn. So a cartoon character who's obnoxious as hell that even at seven years old, I want to slap. Right? You know. And David Carradine. Oh, Oh. Right? And it's like, it didn't really click for me until, like, as more as I was just sitting there, I was like, well, who are the characters? Oh, that's it? Are you fucking serious? 
No wonder why I was like, what the fuck, right? But but that said, that said, the fact is, I remember going through all uh, all American Girl mm-hmm. and like saying, okay, great, I'm gonna try and watch this and support it, and watching going, this is terrible. It's like this is not entertaining, and it's also basically like, look at Asians, lol. Like that's basically what I got from it. And will I get that this is better? I feel it's like a half step forward, and it's also like how much of this is predicated on anti-blackness. Thank like, you. Like here's the thing. Yeah, I'm an Asian dude who uses a lot of AAV because I grew up around a lot of black people. And it's not like I switch into it just to be cool. The fact is, if you stub my toe, you're going to hear some South End shit come out my mouth. And that's stuff I have to stifle when I go for job interviews. But not, you know, it's not like a thing I pick up and then put down. And it's also not like a thing I picked up and then didn't have any black people as friends later on in my life. Hello. Which is basically the thing I look at when I see, in part of the problem where I become very ambivalent about stuff like Asian hip-hop and like stuff like that, because I'm like, okay, yeah, so you're appropriating the culture without tying back in. Well, and, I mean, fresh off the boat and uh, the Big Bang Theory, basically anything that that is about, like, people who are not the mainstream, becomes a show about them being made fun of. Yeah. And it's like, but the white people don't have the show. They're making fun of other people. Right. But we, when we get a show, it has to be us mocking ourselves or mocking stereotypes about ourselves. Right. And it's sort of like, I mean, like, didn't we have um, Harold and Kumar as kind of an example of like, look, here, this this is our lens about white people. Like, you know, or Damn, Andy, David, movie. Dave Chappelle movies, you know, is basically yeah. shit like that. And it's like, couldn't we just do that instead? And, and you know, I saw there was some stuff where Dude was talking about how, like, he was really frustrated about how, like, the producers and folks basically changed up a lot of his shit. But at the same time, I'm like, look at this and going like, okay. And here we have all, you know, I see all these act, Asian American activists going like, oh, it's so great. Oh, we have to support. I'm like, why do I have to support for this half step forward in 2015 when we literally have all of our voices on goddamn YouTube and Tumblr and like, and I'm not saying it's the same as network TV, but I'm saying, why are we selling for shittier options? Yeah. Right? Like, that's it. Why are we selling for shittier options? When you pretend that something shitty is great, right? you get more shit. It's right. not like, I get the idea behind supporting something so there's more of something, but... We were talking about this earlier with Peggy Carter, which yeah. is another thing. All these people that are ready to stand for the for the Agent Carter, I get why. I've watched it. I love it. There are moments that are amazing. There ain't no brown people in New York. Right. You can't ignore that. You can't be... You need to watch it to support it without critiquing the fact that it is an all-white cast. Right. It is number white people, and you want us to accept that because it gives you something that you like. Fuck that noise. Right. And I'm like, and the thing that just bugs me, it's like, there are so many ways to do, we could tell stories about Asian Americans, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, it's deeply frustrating to me that, one, that we're going to take this sort of, lol, 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 look at the Asians kind of shit, and also this, just like, like, okay, look, if you're going to have, if you're going to bring this idea of blackness into it, why is that part of your culture? Like, how, like, I can tell you where I grew up, and I can tell you, like, 
how I was living, and this is like, yeah, so this is the music, this is the music I listen to, these are the people I hung out with, like, I can tell you how I grew up into that. It's not like, I'm this Asian kid who suddenly is into hip-hop out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, that's the thing that bugs me about these things, is because what it's done, what it's designed to do, it's mostly supposed to be looking, look at the non-black person who talks black, <laughs> and I'm like, look. Yeah. It's not funny. Guess what? Any of us who grew up in those neighborhoods, we always had non-black people who used AAVE. They were always among us. They were always our friends. Our br- Like, I hung out, the group I hung out with was definitely diverse, and we all talked a similar way right. because of where we grew up. Right. That's, I just, I, I can't with these people who want you to, like, stand for something that they love so deeply because of one aspect, but aren't willing to hear you critique the other aspects. I'm not saying any of these things are... Well, no, I am saying fresh off the boat's bad. Because yeah. that's just bad. You can't get around that. I mean, it's like, it's 2015. It's 2015. Do better. Right. Like, that's Do it. better. It's like, like, just come on. I like, think that's just the title of this episode, is Do Better. <laughs> I feel like all of our why must bees is like, Do Better. I'm, yeah. I'm asking you to try. It's not hard. You already got a million... The thing the is, magical producers, ritual of do better. Of do better. Because I'm like, these producers and executive producers and directors, most of them are already fucking millionaires. Right. It's not hurting their pocketbook to try something different. Right. And it's just like, they don't want to, they don't know that they can. I don't know what. Well, no, I feel they'll do anything different if they put a white person in. Yes. I mean, that's my thing is like, like as much as like, again, Fast and Furious, tons of POC throughout it, but holy fuck. Like, can we talk about the fact that a scene that was basically 90% Asian is now, like, 95% not Asian yeah. in your movies? Like, yeah. The street racing scene. and right. I mean, at, here's the issue. Because in the first two movies, you got a whole truckload of, well, I mean, well, you Tokyo. got background Tokyo. Asians. You, got ba- you at least got background that showed you that a lot of the street racing. But I also feel like those first few movies... They, they didn't know it was going to turn into this franchise. Fast and Furious is one of the few, maybe the only movie franchise that has gone from... Like seven? Aren't they on seven? They're on yeah. some seven yeah, they're shit. they're on seven. Like, and like, pretty much horror movies and pornos are the only things that will get <laughs> up to seven, right? And it's the fact that, like, one, two, and three, no one gave a shit. I mean, one was great. But two and three, no one gave a shit. Once you got to four, five, six, and seven, these were big box office movies all of a sudden. Right. And it was like... Great, but all of a sudden the background got more and more... Like, they couldn't take out the main characters that you knew and loved. Right. But they're like, but we can whitewash this background. We can yeah. make that... Look. look at it. It's like Casper the Ghost just flew through. No. And, and it, you know, I mean, I won't lie. Because, like, every so often I'll check in on some of the, the, um, the racing blogs. And I have noticed that, like, they have tried to put more and more white folks in, like, for the models and stuff. Of but, course. But just the same. I'm like, for a series having started in, what, the 90s? Late nineties, yeah. Late nineties, I'm like, yeah, okay. What, like, what is this? We're just gonna pretend, right? Um, so yeah, do better, you know. Do <laughs> yes, please. I just hashtag do better. All of you, do better. It's not hard. It's, I mean, it, maybe it is hard. It, it's hard if you won't let go of white supremacy. There you and, go. Like and patriarchy and misogyny. Yeah, there you go. Like, that, well, though, so it's actually really easy. In fact, it just does itself. It like, just does itself. You can create characters that aren't fucked up and monolithic. And I just... Yeah. I need you to do. I need you to do it. Because I want to watch TV shows that don't fucking piss me off. Yeah. 
or read books or or read books or any of them. Well, you know, hey, we're consumers. We're paying money to be insulted. Like, yeah, there's special services for that. That's not most of us. (laughs) Yes, there are some special services for that, and you can you can go. I know people who do it. Contact me if you want more information. (laughs) But. That's not where we're uh, at right now. Real quick, to end it out, one thing I want to do is shout out a couple of uh, other folks who are doing stuff like podcasts. Yes, please. Um, so there's the folks at Nerdgasm Noir. Who I love, who yes. Who are doing some awesome stuff. Um, there's my homeboy, 8-Bit Animal. He does, like, video game reviews. He does it all on YouTube and stuff. Oh, cool. So some folks to check out. And remember, if you want to contact us for any reason, the email is yellowperil.magicalnegro at gmail.com. If you got subject ideas, if you got questions, if you got comments, don't get on some crazy shit. Because I, again, we talk about racism. That doesn't mean we want to talk too racist. Yes, right. Like, uh, we are not the ones any day. Yeah, any day. So, all right. <laughs> thank you for listening. Ugh, we'll get it.